So let's jump into our second story. This one is a little heavier, um, uh, definitely more timely. We are talking COVID. We are talking COVID vaccines, and we're talking big pharma. So really for context here, uh, COVID-19 vaccines continue development from multiple pharmaceutical companies as uh, part of Operation Warp Speed, which aims to, and this is directly from the Department of Health and Human, uh, excuse me, Department of Health and Human Services website. Uh, it says that they aim to quote begin delivery of 300 million doses of an FDA authorized safe and effective vaccine for COVID-19 by the end of the year, as part of a broader strategy to accelerate the development, manufacturing, and distribution of COVID-19 vaccines, therapeutics, and diagnostics. End quote. So amid this multi-partner initiative, there have been calls from politicians, activists, and COVID patients and just people uh, criticizing pharmaceutical companies for the supposed cost of the vaccine, demanding that it be given to us free or at cost, uh, coupled with critiques on the massive profits that pharma is projected to make off of the vaccine. And this is really why we're talking about this. Uh, Pfizer's CEO had some really strong words against said sentiment. And he went public uh, with his commentary with uh, Barron's recently. He sat down for an interview with Barron's. Uh, his name is Albert Bourla, again, Pfizer's CEO. And here's what he had to say about uh, critiques from the public and from politicians on turning a profit off of the COVID-19 vaccine. He said, I think it's very wrong. And he, it means the critiques are wrong. You need to be very fanatic and radical to say something like that right now. Who is finding the solution? The private sector found the solution for diagnostics and the private sector found the solution for therapeutics and is along the way to find more solutions for therapeutics and vaccines. So how can you say something like that? Doesn't make sense. End quote. Uh, so that leads us to think how much of a profit could a pharmaceutical company like Pfizer make off of this vaccine to warrant critique? If everything goes well for the company, it could be a massive uh, haul for Pfizer and, or, you know, for whichever pharmaceutical company ends up um, uh, manufacturing and creating the eventual COVID-19 vaccine. Barron's did another calculation on this issue recently. They found that at nineteen fifty a dose, $19.50 for the estimated 1.3 billion doses that the company plans to create by the end of 2021 with their partner BioNTech, uh, Pfizer could convert all of that to about $13 billion in sales. And that's after splitting, yeah, that's after splitting the revenue with BioNTech. Uh, So these are private companies running a private operation. So do they have any accountability to the public and to the government? Are the critiques uh, coming from any place of reality? Uh, I think they are, and I think there is a level of accountability due to the nature of the partnership. And let me explain. Right now, several vaccine makers are just straightforwardly receiving government funding for research and development assistance in producing the vaccine. Uh, And this is consistent with... uh, much of the development of um, pharmaceutical drugs, uh, often cutting-edge drugs, they get funded through R&D, through taxpayer dollars. That gets fed into a private company. Uh, the private company 
and often in partnerships with universities, uh, develop a new uh, prescription drug, and once it is tested and approved, gets sold back to the public whom funded the research in the first place, and often sold at uh, you know price gouging levels compared to how much our uh, prescription drugs cost uh, comparatively. You know when you look at other countries, other major industrialized and developed countries. So most recently, the Department of Defense partnered with Pfizer for large-scale production and nationwide delivery of 100 million doses of that COVID-19 vaccine. They're wanting to give it to Americans free of charge, uh, at least for the first 100 million, probably just as a, a testing run to see, is this going to work? And if so, then we'll launch officially um, and that is going to be worth $2 billion of uh, taxpayer funding. And this is consistent, again, with not just the pharmaceutical giants, but with a lot of R&D development for technology, uh, new products, and often is funneled through to the, excuse me, through the Department of Defense uh, and once those developments are uh, found and the research is completed and a, you know, a new way to compress a, a signal is found or a new way to utilize multi-touch screens is found, that then gets uh, offloaded onto private companies who can um, take the patent uh, or, excuse me, can take the technology, patent it, and then turn a massive profit off of it, which is exactly what happened with uh, Apple and a lot of the development of their um touch technology, which was funded through uh, millions and millions of dollars in R&D. So that's just to give you some context on the relationship here. It, it's common. It's not like it's some hidden relationship. It's just sort of par for the course. Um, but it often gets critique. So again, $2 billion from the Department of Defense going to Pfizer for the production of these 100 million doses of the vaccine. Basically how it'll work if regulators approve the vaccine, Health and Human Services and the Department of Defense will then have access to 100 million doses and then an additional 500 million should they want them. And this is only one part of Operation Warp Speed. Again, Operation Warp Speed is looking to deliver 300 million doses of an FDA-authorized COVID-19 vaccine, and they're spreading uh, billions across several different pharmaceutical companies. So that includes 1.2 billion to AstraZeneca, 456 million to Johnson and Johnson, 430 million to Moderna, 60 million to Novavax, 38 million to Merck, 30 million to Sanofi or Sanofi, uh, another 783 million set aside for the three companies that will eventually manufacture whichever COVID vaccines get approved by the FDA, and that would be Emergent Biosolutions, SIO2 Materials Science, and Ology Bioservices. So that adds up to something like, uh, let's see, uh, I think like three plus billion dollars uh, with just the extra uh, calculations we did here. That's excluding the deal with Pfizer. So with Pfizer, I think that's pushing five billion dollars worth of taxpayer money being fed back into pharma for the development research and eventual manufacturing of the COVID-19 pandemic, which is supposed to be sold back to us and uh, is, according to Albert Bourla, um, you know, par for the course to make a massive profit off of. So 
you know, he was very vocal with his thoughts here. We'll do the same. Tyler, what are your thoughts here on Albert Bourla's? God, I'm tripping over my words. Let me try that again. <laughs> Tyler, what are your thoughts on Albert Bourla's thoughts on uh, turning a profit off of the COVID-19 vaccine? Look, I think it's, I think his comments represent um, a particular viewpoint and it they, they seem emblematic of when you get in that mindset where you only see things from your point of view and it's hard to get outside of that and see things from other people's point of view right so him saying you know I you know, I, I think it's wrong you need to be very um, fanatic and radical to say something like that right now you know who is finding the solution all of this stuff he's seeing it from his particular point of view as a CEO of a major pharmaceutical company and he's having a hard time detaching himself from that particular role when he says things like that because when i guess when you're so narrowly focused in that mindset you're not really considering the fact that taxpayers really are funding your your research they are literally already paying for it and so then to then turn it around and then you know force people to then pay once again um, probably at a premium for the product once it's actually developed, you're basically double charging the American public for something that you know you wouldn't have been able to do had they not funded your research in the first place. So sure, say it's say it's you know uh, the private sector all you want, but it's publicly funded, right? And so that there's a disconnect there that I think you can only rationalize if you are so narrowly focused on your point of view, right? And so. Uh, I'm trying to see things from his perspective, but it's really difficult for me because I think he's wrong in this case. Yeah, you know, it's, uh, like I said, it's just not something that is uncommon or, you know, a, a unique situation. This is not like the first time that Big Pharma is trying to turn a profit off of uh, a drug, right? I mean, that that is often the critique of Big Pharma is that, they act as an intermediary to uh, take public funding, um, use that research, which, you know, props to them for doing the research, but, you know, they're getting millions and billions of dollars of funding. You would think whoever ends up getting that kind of R&D support would eventually be able to put something together if they have the resources. So regardless, Pfizer gets billions, they put something together, they sell it back to the public at a, a hiked cost, then they reap billions of dollars in sales and the process continues so this is not new but i think what's happening is covid has amplified a lot of the relationships between the private sector the public sector between the people and the government and i think is uh opening a lot of third eyes for people you know people are getting woke to some degree uh or at least are being radicalized by the moment uh i'm not saying that everyone is like becoming a lefty now but you know people are being pushed in their own directions because of the tumultuousness of the political and the social moment and i think part of that is a complete reveal of how our healthcare system operates compared to other countries. Um, you know, if you get sick with COVID, you might go bankrupt. Uh, if you get sick with COVID and you lost your job, you now no longer have health insurance. Uh, if you get sick with COVID and you live in the United States, you might get price gouged for the vaccine or for the treatment. 
going bankrupt again while you watch Big Pharma complain that you would complain about them turning billions of dollars of uh, sales into massive profits and payouts for their executives. So, you know, these relationships that maybe these executives have been taking for granted because they haven't been uh, criticized as vociferously and as um, repeatedly in such a short amount of time, uh, you know, I, I think those relationships are being put front and center for a lot of average people. And that pressure is hard to ignore, and I think it makes them defensive. You know, Albert Bourla probably would rather everyone just shut up and Pfizer be able to, you know, continue the operation as normal, produce the uh, the drug, and, uh, you know, because of the good-natured... Um, industry that they they operate in or i don't know good natured with quotes right hey we're producing something life-saving you should be grateful to us they can kind of personally just make the assessment that and therefore i don't need to feel any sort of remorse about raking in billions here um so yeah that just you know i i think to actually address this issue it would need to be a broader conversation it's not just you know we need to slap Albert Bourla's wrist, right? We need to give him a talking to, and Pfizer needs to learn their lesson. The reality here is a much deeper relationship between uh, established corporate interests in healthcare that control and profit off of and privatize the development and administration of healthcare. Uh, that often creates major barriers for people to access it in the first place. Uh, or, you know, if they do have access to it, puts them hundreds, thousands, tens of thousands of dollars in the hole. Um, and that's a relationship that, you know, more people have been critiquing and has been more normalized in at least this last run. Uh, you know, uh, not to put this back on politics specifically, but, you know, when you look at the Democratic uh, primary, you had people like Bernie Sanders, uh, Elizabeth Warren, and in the initial run, though they did back off of it eventually, folks like Kamala Harris um, talking about, hey, Medicare for all is great, Medicare for all is the way forward, uh, and you know we need to make healthcare free at the point of service uh, in some capacity. So it's becoming a normalized thing that people support, and I think it just speaks to broader shifts in the Overton window around healthcare administration and the relationships between private and public entities in the United States healthcare system. So yeah, yeah, it's, um, it, it definitely just feels kind of icky, you know, when you hear Pfizer CEO be like, you know, screw you guys, of course, we're going to turn a profit. Who do you think you are? Uh, and you know, you just kind of have to wonder how established is the relationship that he feels confident enough to express that view and, right. and, and for it to not be problematic for him or for anyone else in the industry, that he can just come out and say, like, nah, this is the way it works. Sorry, stop critiquing me. Um, you know, I, I think that indicates that the pressure is not strong enough yet for there to be actual change. Um, and that Pfizer or whoever ends up producing the vaccine uh, is going to be making billions of dollars in sales and uh, probably billions in profit as well. Yeah, it's especially icky when you consider, you know, this is all occurring in the context of the largest of pandemic. Yeah, right. the largest yeah. pandemic we've we've seen in our lifetime. And so, you know, there's there's something um yeah, there's something dirty about that that you, that you just you just feel uh, I think intrinsically uh that you just know, uh I'm I'm not sure I'm on board with that. And so I I think you put it very well. Um you know, just that that there has to be that that solidity of relationship there for him to feel like 
yeah, this is this is how things should be, and this is how I'm going to word this and say this. Agreed. Agreed. So, you know, I think the takeaways here are, uh, you know, if this is a subject that you, the listener, cares about, um, you know, there isn't a lot of change on the horizon around it yet uh, because the folks in, in leadership seem pretty comfortable telling you to shut up. And, uh, you know, that's that's a tough pill to swallow, uh, I guess, pun intended, since we're talking pharma. <laughs> and, um, you know, it it just speaks to the relationship that these companies have. And, um, you know, I don't know, not to make it too negative, but it can really come off like just callousness to the situation. Uh, you know, when we're dealing with record unemployment, hundreds of thousands of deaths, uh, and an eviction crisis looming. And like the last thing I think people want to hear is, you know, suck it up and stop crying. We want to turn a profit off of your billions in sales for this vaccine because we're going to save your life. Um, yeah, it just, I, I think it speaks to a cultural dynamic uh, that I, I think plagues a lot of powerful business in this country that just has just a major disregard to uh, the well being of millions of people. And, um, you know, I, I don't think that is the energy. I don't think that is the vision, nor is it uh, sustainably, I think, the the direction that, uh, you know, business should go with the United States if it wants to be perceived in any more, um, I don't know, positive way, especially in, in healthcare. Yeah. I mean, I mean, healthcare is really under the lens right now. So, uh, you know, that's not to say, hey, let's all, you know, work on our PR skills and like make people like business more. But it just it's more of a commentary on, um, you know, th th this is just very revealing on the the connections between our entities today and who really holds uh, the decision making in their hands and, uh, you know, the realities of if we get a COVID vaccine, you know, who has a major stake in it? Who's going to profit from it? And should we even be talking about a vaccine in that way? You know, should profit be any part of the dynamic when creating a life-saving drug that's supposed to put an end to a pandemic? Uh, I would personally say no, uh, but Albert Bourla would disagree. So we'll have to see who has a stronger argument. <laughs> we we will and who has stronger allies i guess right right definitely me dude <laughs> <laughs> I'd, li I'd like to believe that that's the case uh, i hundo, truly would hundo p me yes dude, that's great this was a snippet from business casual with daniel litwin and tyler kern your b2b morning radio show tune in wednesdays and fridays at 9 a.m central on the simple radio app or marketscale.com slash industries.